I, in praying for services on Sunday, I felt, you know, sometimes when a word of, of, of prophecy or a word's given in a public setting, we hear it and we listen to it, but sometimes we don't properly digest it. We don't think about it. And uh, I have been giving a lot of thought to the two words that came in uh, in August the 26th and then the following word on that Saturday night, August the 31st. I have a copy at home where I have my daily devotions and I read through this. I have a copy in my office, tucked in, keep it tucked in my Bible. And when I, I have an opportunity, I read this. And in praying about that and praying that so many times that we, we hear a word from the Lord and we go, wow, that's wonderful. We rejoice, we shout, or we take the heed and we take the warning. But then we just kind of, kind of like the news with the hurricane, it just kind of passes by and all of other life just kind of sweeps us up. Well, I, I just felt like, Lord, you've got something more that you want to say to us. And I want to look again at the scriptures and that word that came forth in, on Saturday, August the 31st, and look at pieces of that scripture or that, that word that came forth and because it had some instructions in there for us to follow. And if we'll follow that word of the Lord, now, I don't elevate prophecy above the Bible, okay? But as long as that word came forth and the person's character and nature is valid, and as long as that word agrees with scripture... I think we can say that's a valid word from the Lord. Understand that? I'm not saying it replaces Scripture. And so I want to talk to you today about a portion of that, that word that came forth on August the 31st, and then we'll, I'll probably end up using the rest of it at the end of it. But it said, the part, part I want to share with you, it says, when the enemy thought he was winning, when he thought he was, and when he thought we, you were too exhausted from the battle, you know, how many of, you, of us here today just been, I've just been worn out from praying for loved ones, praying for my marriage, praying for the nation, praying for, just name, go down the list. I've just been exhausted. I've been exhausted from life. And, and so the enemy, you know, the Lord knows uh, you're too exhausted from the battle, whatever face your battle took. When the enemy assumed you were giving up, you were repositioning. You were finding a firmer footing. You were stockpiling your arms for a major attack against the enemy. You were gearing up for the offense. You didn't give up. You, or, yeah, you didn't give up. You didn't give in. You didn't even faint. You were shining your armor. You were straightening your headgear. You were strengthening your mind. And the thought came to me about the message for this Sunday today, and I don't really always name messages. I, I just don't do that because I struggle with that. But it just came to me, wrestling to win. That the Lord has called us in these days that we live in to wrestle. And, of course, we know that scripture from Ephesians I'll share with you. But I, I, picked, a, I picked a, now, ladies, you'll probably be grossed out by this, okay? And I, I apologize for that. You probably will be. Uh, but I picked a, a wrestling, uh, about a minute and something wrestling scene. And I had to go to high school wrestling because that WWE junk, <laughs> that's junk. That's not real. I remember my dad used to watch live Atlanta wrestling on Saturday night. And those big old blubber dudes would flip each other and fake and throw each other, you know, and hammer lock and headlock and all that. And my dad just, he just loved that stuff. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world does he get out of this stuff? But anyway, uh, I remember having to wrestle in high school in PE. Any of you guys remember that? I don't guess girls, ladies did that. But us guys, we had to do that. 
I hated that. I, I just personally, I just, I just, I'm not that kind of a, a person, you know, gets off on roughing somebody up and pinning them. I got pinned, but, uh, but anyway, I want to show you this just to make some points this morning or make a point this morning. This guy, was a, he was a five-time state champ. practice this at home. <laughs> you will be hurt. <laughs> Scripture that I want to use this morning is from Ephesians chapter 6, 11, 12. You recognize this. Paul uses the, the Roman sports world to illustrate to us as believers that we must develop a mindset for victory over the enemy's devices. And here's what he says. Put on the whole armor, the complete, the entire armor of God, that you will be able to stand against the wiles or methods or schemes of the devil. Here it is. For we wrestle not. We wrestle not. We do wrestle, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, humans, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in the high or the heavenly places. And when you look up the word wrestling, if you're from the south, it's just called wrestling. But when you look up the word wrestling, uh, it, what it means is to combat an opposing tendency or force, to engage in or as if in a violent or determined struggle. That's pretty rough, wasn't it, what you saw there? And that's not the kind, of, the new kind of wrestling, you know, where they punch each other and gouge each other and all that stuff. They're in, they're in a chain, you know, if you see those ads, they're in a chain link fence. Can that tell you something? That's going to get pretty brutal. You don't escape, you know, you don't get thrown out of the ring kind of stuff. So wrestling, it carries that, you know, that opposing, your, your opposing forces, you're engaging in a violent or determined struggle. And for us as believers, there's actually two areas where we are called to wrestle. The first area is to wrestle with our own flesh, to our inner self, our, our character, our, our nature, our Adamic nature. And the theological truth of this is, listen, when you're born again, 
You're saved, you're forgiven, you're innocent, you're washed clean, but God does not rip out of you that self, that human nature. That's to come in, in, in the rapture or when you die and go be with the Lord. We still have to deal with ourself. And listen, I've been living for the Lord for 48 years now, and I found out the devil's not my worst enemy. I am. And that's why Paul says don't give place to the enemy because, you know, if we can guard our life and if we can live that life, that walk in the Lord, walking in the Spirit, and we don't give place to the enemy, then he has no foothold, Paul said in us. And notice in that, those wrestling matches, you know, that uh, those guys, they were, they, were, they were looking for firm footing. They, were, they had to place their feet firm. They, had to, they were looking for, you know, a grab hold to get a, an advantage over their opponent, you know, and, and uh, I mean... You know, headlocks and, and arm arm locks around the head and all that kind of stuff. It was pretty, pretty rough, pretty violent. And, you know, that wasn't violent, but just pretty aggressive. So we wrestle first against our own flesh and our own nature. A really good example of this we find in the Bible is Jacob. Jacob, his very name meant supplanter or cheater. And that's what he was. He lived up to his reputation. He beat his brother out of his birthright and then uh, beat his brother, uh, you know, and, and just his, and then the mother conspired with him, you know, to uh, steal everything that, Je- that Esau should have had. And that battle has been going on ever since. So, you know, so in, in Genesis 32, just briefly, it says about Jacob after he had done all that and he was on the run. And he was going, you know, God said, I'm going to bring you back, but right now you're on the run. And and so he had this encounter with God. Jacob had to come to a place in his life. He had to wrestle with the Lord. And in wrestling with the Lord, he found out he had to wrestle with who he was. So let's look at this. Genesis 32, picking up verse 22. And he arose that night. Jacob arose that night. He took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he crossed over the ford of Jabbok. This is when he's on his way back to the promised land. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. And then the words say, then Jacob was left alone. Wow. Sometimes you have to face who you really are for God to deal with you, to bring you into the character and the destiny that he has for you. So Jacob was left alone, and it said, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. We see it, that man was an incarnation of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus Christ. We believe that. Theology tells us that. Now, when he, the man, the angel, saw that he did not prevail or win against Jacob, Jacob was putting up a good fight. The angel touched the socket of of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man said, the angel said, let me go before the day breaks. But Jacob said to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so the angel, the man, asked Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob's response, of course, said, I'm Jacob. And the angel, the man, said back to Jacob, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. This man is identified as an angel by the prophet Hosea in Hosea 12.4. And the importance of this story was, number one, Jacob's willingness to contend with God at his time of a desperate need. 
Jacob was desperate because word had come to him. Not only did God say, it's time for you to come back to your, your promised land, your, your original home, but Esau has sent men, 400 men, to meet you. Esau had sworn, the last time Esau saw Jacob, Esau swore, I will kill you. So Jacob had that in his mind. Esau is sending his men, and it is my fate. I'm going to die. With all my, my wives, my flocks, my sons, my family, I'm going to die here. He was desperate, and he, he was willing to deal with God and contend with himself in his time of desperate need. Listen, unfortunately, that's when most of us really get serious and call on God. Our human nature, you know, we try everything we can try to finagle, to think, to plan, to buy, to purchase, to, to work it out. And our last resort too many times is, well, maybe I ought to pray about it. And we, we've already prayed about it, but we really haven't prayed about it. You know, there's a difference between praying about it and praying about it. When you get desperate with the Lord, you say, God, everything I've tried is not working. Lord... I've got to have your answer. And then you have to wrestle with the Lord. You, you really not, aren't wrestling with the Lord. You're wrestling with yourself. God knew Jacob's will was to bless him. Do you understand God's will is to bless you? But God's blessings will only come to you as you align yourself with God's will for your life. You have to give up. The Christian life is about giving up your will, your selfishness, and saying, Lord, I embrace your lordship, Yeshua. Jesus, I embrace your lordship. I embrace your plan of salvation. I embrace your way. I embrace your will for my life because you know what's best. I don't. You know what stands in the way for just about everybody? It's called pride. That human selfish pride, the biblical term of pride is that we think we can do it ourselves without God. And God wants to partner with us. God wants a relationship with us. God wants to show us, I'm not only your God, your creator, but I will be your best friend. I'll save you. I'll forgive you. But I want to be your best friend. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to walk together with you, not in a religion. I want to walk together with you in an adventure of relationship all through your life. And then, thank God, all through eternity. This thing's never going to stop. We're not like other religions that just when you die, it's over with and you're incinerated or you're, you're just obliterated or you come back as an ant. And if you don't work that out, you come back a little higher a bird. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. <laughs> Revelation said we're kings and priests. We need to start acting like it because that is our destiny and our heritage. But God, Jacob knew God wanted to bless him. And Jacob had the tenacity that he would settle for nothing less than God's full inheritance. And his, his contending caused him to prevail against his flesh, really. The angel obviously knew Jacob's name. Heaven knows everything. We, we think the government knows it all. They know a lot, but they don't know everything. But God knows everything. That's why the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. It's going to catch up with you one day. The angel obviously knew Jacob's name, yet Jacob had to say his name because of its meaning. Jacob had to say, I'm supplanter. 
I'm deceiver. I'm trickster. I'm conniver. Because his name was his character. And that's why you name your children what you name your children. Or you need to be careful what you name your children. Find out what that name means. Name them a blessed name, a good name. We know a story uh, about missionaries that, man, Lord, I didn't want to tell this. this uh, God, help me do a brief version. Anyway, these people, they named their, they named their child, oh, Sylvia, Suffering. They named their child, they were, and if you're from Africa, I'm sorry, but that's, this is a true story, and that's where it came from. They named their child suffering because they had such a hard time in life they had as a couple, and even through childbirth, they, she, the mom had a hard time. They named this child suffering. This child was sick. This child almost died. This child had repented. This child was never well in its lifetime. No doctor, no nobody could help this child, heal this child. Finally, they, went, they found a Christian doctor. They went to the Christian doctor, and, and he, he interviewed him and, and said, well, what's the child's name? And they said, his name's Suffering. And the doctor was shocked and said, why, why would you do that to this child, the name it's Suffering? You have, you have named this child and characterized this child as Suffering. You need to change the name of this child. And the parents were, we never thought about that. So they turned it around. They named the, they named the child, they changed the name of the child to Blessing. And when they literally named and changed the name of the child from suffering to blessing, boom, immediately the curse was broken, the sickness was broken, the child was healed, and it was a wonderful, beautiful, good ending to a, a story that was so sad before. Be careful what you name your child because the name is the character. And that's what, have, that's what Jacob was. Jacob had to say to that angel, I'm deceiver, planter, trickster, conniver. I'm the one that's lied, cheated, swindled, and gotten by with it all my life. You know what it is? Jacob had to come to himself. And I want to tell this congregation, those listening today, and myself too, until you come to yourself... And realize you are lost without God. You're lost without Christ. You're lost without Yeshua as your Savior. You will never be successful in life. I'm not putting a curse on you. I'm telling you truth. You'll never fulfill the destiny that God has for you. You'll never be able to attain to the glory that God has for you until you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Yeshua. God created us. To know him. And in my simplicity of understanding, there, there, is a, there is a hole in us that we try to fill with drugs, with alcohol, with sex, with money, with power, with, with achievement, with family, with uh, you know hobbies. We try to fill that hole in our life. There's a void there. Listen, there is a piece of the puzzle missing in you that Jesus, Yeshua, is the only one that fits that puzzle piece. He's the only one. You can cram. You ever put the puzzle together? There's a missing piece, and you're trying to cram it in. You're, you're tempted to go get the scissors and trim it so it'll fit. You cheater. You cheater. You're a puzzle cheater if you've done that. Well, many of us, we're cheaters in life. We're cheating God. You're cheating yourself. You're cheating your family from fulfilling the destiny God has for you and bringing the blessing onto your family. Men, you're cheating your family. The only piece 
that fits into your soul and makes your spirit complete, and even your physical body, is Jesus, Yeshua. No other thing. Jacob had to come to himself. He had to acknowledge his weakness. He had to acknowledge who he was, his character faults. And they weren't just faults. They were serious. He had to acknowledge this before he could be transformed. He had to acknowledge this before God could take him into the destiny. God said, you've come this far, but Jacob... And God told him, send all, send all the animals, send your wives, send your family, send them on ahead of you. God was telling Jacob, Jacob, we got business to deal with, you and me. There comes a time in every one of our life, at least once, some, some of us more, there comes encounters with the Lord that you have to get real before God. That you have to really open your heart and get honest with yourself and with God. You can't be saved. You can't be blessed by the Lord living a deception. It's true for us. We have to acknowledge our need, that we're weak, and before him, we, we, we cannot be transformed. We need a character change. And it's not just that time that you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be born again. Listen, that's just the beginning of it. There's time. You don't get saved all over and over and over and over again, but you need to surrender over and over and over and over again. And this was a time Jacob had to re-surrender, but this, this time God said, Jacob, it's everything this time. Because I can't take you into the destiny, and I can't protect you from Esau until you're totally, fully surrendered with me. So that wrestling match went on, and Jacob's, his character was changed. It wasn't just a name change. That's not just where we got the name Israel. Listen, his character was changed. He was never the same again. He walked with a limp to remind him. Now, listen, you'll go through experience with the Lord, and there's things the Lord has brought you through. You'll say, I don't ever want to go through that again. It changed me. It blessed me. I realize the Lord's goodness, but I don't ever want to go through that again. Boy, I got some of those. I got some learning lessons in my life. I'm going, Lord, I know you carried me through it. I know you got me out of it. I know you pulled me out of a bad decision and mistakes I'd made and sins I'd done. Lord, and, but I don't. And there, God lets you remember that in the hopes that you'll never get that close to that again. God doesn't want you living on the edge flirting with stuff. He wants you to get as far away from that sin and that thing that, that would hinder you from being all that he wants you to be. Get away from it. Get as close to God as you can. Don't pretend and play games and flirt with it. It'll, it'll end up getting you. It'll end up drawing you back. So that first wrestling is our wrestling with ourself, our character, our, our own nature. And if you haven't wrestled with yourself and brought yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the devil will defeat you. God said, you can't have victory over Esau until you get this right with me. And then he went on into protection. When he met Esau, instead of Esau killing him, Esau fell on his neck and wept and kissed him. The second wrestling is with the enemy. Because the enemy will come. The enemy will come to try to knock you out to try to pin you down like we saw on the mat and take the victory from you. Now, I want you to understand this truth today. Jesus Yeshua is the only one who can and who did successfully defeat Satan. He's done it. He's victorious. He's triumphant. He said, it's finished. I can go back to the Father now, and I can send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus won that victory, not even for himself, he won the victory for us to deliver us from the power of death, hell, and the grave. So just think with me a morning, this morning. Just think with me through this. So if Jesus won the victory, what is the need for the warfare and the wrestling? 
Is that a good, valid question? What's the need if Jesus wants? And see, that's what some people think. Well, Jesus died for everybody, so it's just automatically everybody's in. That's called universalism. There's no need for repentance. There's no need for living for God. There's no need for living the godly life. There's no need for that. Jesus died for all, so everybody's just automatically in. That is not scriptural. That's not biblical. If Jesus won the victory, so what is the need or where is the warfare and the wrestling? Now, please hear this this morning. Please get this in your spirit because it will unlock some understanding for you today. Our wrestling that we're called to do from Scripture as a child of God is in the daily enforcement of the victory that Jesus has already won over the enemy. Look at your life. Did Jesus not win the victory over the devil totally? How many of you are still attacked and bothered and harassed by the enemy at times? If you don't raise your hand, you're, you're just not honest. Or I want to come live in your house or with you. I want your, you to lay hands on me or rub me or whatever you need to do. I want what you got. If the devil don't bother you, i tell you what, the truth, if the devil don't bother you, then you're not doing nothing to bother him. Can you tweet that? Our wrestling as a child of God is we have to do that to enforce what the victory Jesus has already won for us. The devil has to be reminded, devil, you're a liar. Devil, you're defeated. Have any of you ever taken a stand and told the devil that? Or you just, stuff goes haywire in your life and you goes, oh, he's after me, he's beating me up and oh, he did this and he touched that and he stole that and I'm, I'm lost. You don't have to take it off of him. You don't have to take it off of him. And we shouldn't. And Jesus doesn't take it off. And Jesus didn't take it off. And Jesus tells us to be equipped to where you don't take that off the devil. Because the enemy's not going to quit until he's cast into the lake of fire, folks. You can't make a deal or compromise with the devil. Well, I won't bother you if you just promise not to bother me. The devil hated, he hated you because you're a creation of God. And now he doubly hates you because you're a child of God. He's not going to quit. He's going to go down rebelling and fighting to the very end. It's amazing when you're reading the book of Revelation after he's cast into, uh, you know, the, the pit for a thousand years, a thousand years, and the saints of God rule on the earth for a thousand years. It's amazing that the enemy is loose from the pit with the demonic forces, and they try to amass an army to come again after the Lord, against the Lord, and against the Lord's saints. It's amazing. It's amazing not that the devil would do that. It's amazing that people on the earth would be that deceived to side with him after a thousand years of reign with Jesus on earth. That's going to be a glorious time of his reigning on earth, a thousand years of peace, of blessing, of righteousness, of holiness. And then the enemy is allowed to be loosed, and there's human beings that said, oh, we're going to go with the devil again. Either they're absolutely stupid or just totally deceived. But then the Bible says he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's why the enemy is raging and the demonic hordes are raging so fiercely as they are now. Probably more in this generation, this, this time. Listen, the last two to three to four decades, and the last decade, we have seen just an upsurgence of evil. And I mean, you can't, you can't overcome one news report one day before the next one is even worse. And it's not just one at a time, it's multiple every day. We're seeing the rise, the increase of evil, just like Yeshua said it would happen. The battle's raging now. The enemy, why? Because the enemy knows his time's short. 
And he's increasing the attacks to kill, steal, and destroy, just like Yeshua said he would do in John 10. His effort is to keep people that are bound, bound. His effort is to try to snatch you back, get you to defect, get you to apostatize, get you to leave the faith. Pastor Rush preached on that from Jude. Jude was going to write something else. He said, but I'll write to you to contend, to battle, to wrestle for the faith that was once delivered to you. We're in that day. Listen, teachers, professors, listen, there, there are parents that are teaching their young children to do things totally ungodly, sexual, drug-wise, drink-wise, and those children are being raised in a corrupted, perverted lifestyle. And you and I don't get any say-so in their life because they don't come to church and because they're kept... They're kept away. And then the whole school system is out to corrupt them. That's why we need to pray for DCA and pray for every private Christian school that there is. God help them because we are in a warfare in our culture, in a moral, a moral crisis in our culture like never before. It's because time is short and the enemy is trying to steal and snatch and take and bind and kill whoever he can. And if you're listening to me today and you're outside of the kingdom of God and you're not where you need to be with the Lord, I'm telling you today, you need to get where you need to be with the Lord and you need to get under the shelter of the shadow of the wings of the Most High God and the blood of Jesus because you don't know. The devil may catch you at a time you're unprepared and away from the Lord. How do we wrestle against, wrestle against the forces of the enemy? Well, first thing is our own flesh, our own self-nature. But then when it's against the enemy... How do we wrestle against the enemy? Now, this is going to take a turn and be a little bit different than you probably are thinking this morning. Satan battles us because we are God's witnesses to a lost world. If you and I just were saved to enjoy it and hallelujah and bless the Lord and shout and praise God, the devil wouldn't bother us. But when you step, when, when you fulfill your calling to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ to open your mouth and tell people about God's plan of salvation for them, their need for Him. When you open your mouth to tell people that you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness and He is out to stop you and that's why you have the difficulties you have. That's why you, that's why you wake up yesterday morning at 5.30 and you check your emails and there's three, three charges against your credit card of fraud that are over $1,000. That's how I woke up yesterday morning. That's what Capital One asked me. And I said, we got a problem. And they go through, you know, they're, they're so methodical. I'm saying, get with it. You know, like, and they're, they're very methodical. And they, they have to be. And so we went with everyone. Uh, somebody charged $451 some odd cents to Walmart.com, my credit card. We have different numbers now to protect us from that. We only have one credit card. We don't do multiple. We have one. And you heard my story financially. We do that to earn sky miles, and we get free trips from it, and so blah, blah, blah. So, and then there was another charge to Apple. Somebody bought them a new phone. I've been looking at one, but not at that price. I said, it wasn't me. I said, I was looking, but it wasn't me. I, didn't push, I did not punch the buy button. And then, then there was one at Best Buy. I said, I guess they need accessories. And there was one on the recharge thing. I said, I guess they were getting a, probably a new battery for their wife's phone or some, or, you know, husband's phone or somebody else's kid's phone or something. Over $1,000. Why does stuff like that happen to you? Well, number one, there is an enemy, and he influences people, but he's trying to get at you. 
He's trying to disturb you. He's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to aggravate you. He's trying to get you to disqualify yourself that you can't be a witness for the Lord. When I went to the men's authentic manhood breakfast yesterday, they could tell Pastor Russell's not in a good mood. I was irritated. So he said, calm down. And even the guy on the phone, Mike, he said, we're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it. And I said, will you ever find out who did this? And he gave me some answer. I said, you didn't answer my question. I said, do, will you ever find out who did this? And he sidestepped it again, which probably meant no. I wasn't. And you know what? I had to practice what I preach. Oh, it's easy to stand up here and say it. Oh, it's easy to tell you to do it. But I had to pray. I had to forgive the person or persons. I had to forgive them. I had to release them. I had to pray for their salvation. I had to do it several times. The more I thought about it, I went, I wonder if that last play. I mean, I could tell the guy exactly on Friday where I made every transaction. I'm going, I wonder if that person, you know, in my mind, was. I said, you know what? I am probably falsely charging that person. I said, I re- if it was them, I released them. And then I got to drive by the place of business. Oh, God, me and my places of business that I have to drive by all the time. Lord, I bless them. Lord, you know, the devil is trying to get to us through what you go through. And sometimes it's more than just, you know, your, your banking is one thing. But sometimes he touches your children. And if you're a true parent, that breaks your heart. And some of you for years into decades have grieved, wept, prayed, fasted, cried out, sought God, believed God. Some of you for your spouse prayed, fasted, sought God, cried out, oh God, help our family to be a godly family. Whatever the devil can use, he will take it and use it. And because he knows our past, he knows where our weaknesses are. He doesn't know, he can't read your mind. He can only... He only knows what we also tell him, too, in our talk. So we need to be careful what we say, really. But he's doing it in order to get to us because he wants to stop us from being a witness. And when the Apostle Paul described people's lostness, he framed it in terms of spiritual warfare, wrestling. And I submit to you today that not only do we have to wrestle with ourselves to get ourselves in alignment with God's plan, purposes, and will for our life, but in our wrestling with the devil, it's not so much of what we thought it was. It's wrestling that our, we will be the witness for the Lord that he's left us here to do. God's, le- God's not just saved us to leave us here to enjoy the ride. He saved us here to be a witness to the lost world. And we've got to get that. And in Paul's description of people in lostness, he said, non-believers, they follow the prince of the air, the prince and the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2. They're blinded by the God of this world. You want a good prayer to pray over lost loved ones? Look up 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. It says that that the God of this world has blinded them from the light of the gospel shining forth into their hearts. Then you start praying that the light of the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ will shine into their hearts and chase the darkness away. That's a good prayer to pray. That's a prayer, prayer, prayer of agreement to pray that's according to the will of God. And then Paul described them, they're bound in darkness. Colossians 1.13, Acts 26.18. They're caught in Satan's snare. And see, we, we say, why can't they understand? Why can't they see what they're doing is so destructive to their life? Just right there, they're caught in Satan's snare. 
When you're in a trap, sometimes people that, people that are lost that are in a trap, they don't even know they're in a trap. They just know, well, life's a little tough right now. Yeah, it's tough because you're violating everything about God's word that he wants to help you and bless you, and he has for you in your life. You're caught in a snare. And we need to pray, you know, when you're caught in a snare, it's not something obvious. People and animals don't get caught in a snare that is laying there or there, and it's obvious. A snare is something hidden. It's something that's, that's secretive. It's something that it doesn't just happen all at once. It's something that's so deceptive, you don't even know it got you when it got you. And the enemy's goal is to keep us through those things from proclaiming and living out the gospel that sets people free. So what the enemy is doing, that the wrestling that we need to do uh, against the enemy is we need to not let those things that are coming against us, reversals and fights and whatever it is, whatever it is, not let those things distract our attention from what the Lord has left us here to do is to win people to him, to witness to him, to still have the joy of the Lord. I had, I had, I'm just like you, I had to get a grip on myself. I was upset. I was mad. I was violated. You know, if you've ever had your home or car broken into or some stuff, you're, you feel violated. How dare they? How dare they do that to me? When I pay my bills and I work and I'm honest and I, and I want to live right, and I'm, how dare they do that? We feel violated. The offensive nature of this battle, it demands that you and I press forward in winning people to the Lord and witnessing to them in discipleship. And evangelism requires an intentionally uh, taking the light into the darkness. And then discipleship requires teaching others to understand their position in Christ and then to put on the full armor of God that they can join in the kingdom of God and fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight, but it's a fight. If we don't evangelize and, and win people and minister to people, then non-believers, they're going to remain in Satan's kingdom. And listen, even if they tell you, I don't want to hear that, Say, well, you need to hear it. I mean, you know, find some nice words, but I know you don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. And I love, listen, the truth is we need to have the heart that says, I love you too much to let you go to hell. And if I have to lay down in front of you to be a roadblock to stop you from going to hell through my prayers and my love, that's my commitment. I, again, I'm not setting myself up as the best example or holy, holy, holy. But my family, when I got saved, they were lost. All they needed to do was go to church. And they were not a evil. I mean, they were lost, but they were not horribly evil or anything like that. But I literally had to make up my mind, my family will not go to hell. I said, well, they got a free will. They can choose to go there if they want to. Yeah, that's true. But I said, I'm doing everything I can to lay, to lay in front of them and be a roadblock that they will not go to hell. I tell you, it's a lonely road. If you're there, especially if you're the child in the family. Now, if you're the parent, it's still lonely and it's still bad. It's still difficult. Not bad, but difficult. But I was a, I was a kid, 18 years old. But I, and I prayed for them and I cried for them and I fasted for them and I wept for them and I, 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 I wrestled with God for them. I did that for my mom, dad. did that for my brother, my sister. did that for my, our, our older sister. I I don't know if they ever listened to this, so I'm going to say it anyway. We took a group picture of our, our family reunion in July, June, July, whenever it was. And the Lord said, print that picture out. That's one of the other things I keep where I pray and have my devotions. And I didn't know all of them's names, children, but I do now. 
Every day I go down that line, there's one, two, three, four, four rows. There's, there's I think, 40-something of them. Yeah, 41 or two. And I pray for them. I pray for them because some of them are lost. They're lost. I think I look at my brother's picture. I said, thank God he's saved. His wife's saved. And I look at others. His, someone of his sons and his daughter, they're saved. But I look at the others and said, they're not, they're not in yet, Father. I'm contending for them. I'm contending for them. Because I may be the only one praying for them. Who knows? Who knows? I hope. I pray, Lord, if I can't reach it. This, this is the prayer I pray. This is the prayer I prayed for my brother because I could not reach him. I said, God, you're able to send a true born-again believer across his path that can minister to him in love. The devil can't stop it. My brother couldn't stop it. I said, God, I believe you're going to honor my prayers because I'm praying according to your will because it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The all includes my brother, Mike Evenson, and my sister, Ann. And I'm not setting myself up as the best example and, and holy, 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 and I'm not. But I wrestled with them. I wrestled for them for years. I, think I prayed for my dad. I think it was 26 years. I thought he'd be the last one to come to the Lord. He was the first one. I had to pray an, uh, another 13 years. So that was 30 years. So it was 27 years for my dad and then 13 years for my mom. My mom lived after dad passed away 13 more years. The last year, and some of you have heard this before, and I'm sorry for being repetition, but the last year of both of their lives is when they accepted Jesus. Dad was 76 years old. Mom was 89 years old. The chances of somebody that old are not good because they feel like, well, I've lived this long without him. I don't need him. Or they feel guilty. Well, I've lived this long without him. How can I call upon him? That's not right. So there's that battle in their mind, and then you got the devil on top of it. But I, I would not... And I'm encouraging you today, do not give up. Contend. And do not give up for those people at work or those neighbors in your neighborhood or either of those family members. Do not give up. But the battle and the wrestling that we're having is to not let what tries to knock us out of the, if I can use cowboy terms, don't let what's trying to knock you out of the saddle stop you. I'm sorry for drawing on that thing, but it makes sense to me. Don't let what life hands you disqualify you. Keep pressing in. Keep wrestling. Don't let the meanness of the hour that we live in on every hand so disappoint you and sin so abound that our love grows cold. One of Satan's subtle strategies is to try to entice us to operate in our own abilities. We see that in the life of David. When David was a shepherd boy, he took on the giant and the bear and the lion in faith and dependence, knowing that the battle was not his in the first place, but rather the Lord's. But then when David became king, David sought to know just how mighty his own forces were, and he leaned more on himself than God in First Chronicles 21 when he numbered the troops. To try to find out how many warriors we got. God wants us to depend on the Lord. The enemy delights when we go there when we're more like David as the king rather than David as a shepherd boy, humble and trusting the Lord. Our stand as followers of the Lord Jesus Yeshua and making disciples in his name places us in the sights of the enemy. 
when you start caring and praying and sharing, the devil will increase pressure against you to stop you. What do you do? You keep doing what you know is right to do, and you don't stop. You keep pressing in, and that's what the word that came to us said. You keep pressing in. You don't give up. You don't give in. You find firmer footing. You equip yourself. You prepare your armor. You, you know, in seeking to reach the non-believer and, and, and develop strong people's disciples and sending out people in his name is what this church is all about too. You know, that, that's, that's what it is. To reach all people, to restore them, to get them healed up spiritually, physically, mentally, maritally, financially, whatever the healing needs, and then restore every believer into an active ministry because you have one. You have at least one ministry to reach somebody, to reach somebody. Yes, the enemy's going to fight back, but we don't need to fear for the power of God. Uh, in the power of God, we simply love Christ, keep loving the Lord, live for Him, speak for Him in such a way that the Lord is glorified. And an already defeated Satan, he's the one that becomes threatened. He's the one that becomes threatened. Every day you and I wake up, the devil in the demonic realm should go, oh no, they're awake. Acts 19, God was doing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, and he wants to by yours. It's not just Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were brought to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Wow, he wasn't even there to touch them, to lay hands on them. It wasn't a big show. It wasn't a big dramatic casting out service. They just took pieces of apron and, and handkerchiefs that came from. That's why we have, we have prayer cloths here in the, in the baskets here. I don't, we don't say a lot about it, but if you want one, come up here. There's supposed to be a bottle of oil in each basket too. Anoint the thing with oil and uh, take it to somebody that's sick. you got a scriptural reference and preference for it. And here, here's God. This is funny, but yet not funny. <laughs> it's both. But it teaches us. Uh, I'll say some, but some traveling Jewish exorcist also tried to invoke the name of the Lord Yeshua, saying, I charge you by the Yeshua whom Paul preaches. Well, the seven sons of Sceva, who is a ruling priest, uh, his name was Sceva, they were doing this. They were going around saying, I charge you by the name of, Paul, who, name of Yeshua whom Paul preaches, trying to cast out an exor uh, uh, what do you call it when you cast out? Exorcism. Thank you. Wow. But the evil spirit answered them. <laughs> this is funny, but crazy, but dangerous. The evil spirit is, I know Yeshua. I know him. We begged him, don't send us to the pit before our time. Yeah, we know him. And I know about Paul. But who are you? Who are you? Does the devil wonder who you are? If the devil wonders who you are, you need to go back to Calvary. You need to make sure you're saved. You need to make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be a threat to the devil. He needs to say, oh, I know who you are. I know who Mary is. I know who Fred is. I know who they are. He's already said, I know who Wow is. I know who Zion's sake is. I know who Hispanic ministries are. I know who Korea. He's already said that about us. The devil knows who we are. But, oh, the one that really counts, he knows. The Lord knows who we are. He knows. He knows. So they, they said, hey, we know, we know who Yeshua is. We know about Paul, but who are you? And the man with the evil spirit sprang upon them. I mean, all of a sudden, the demons in him went into action, subduing. This was seven against one. 
seven sons of a priest against one person who had evil spirits. And the, the, the man with the evil spirit sprang on them, subdued them, overpowered all of them, so that all, all seven of them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. He tore their clothes off and beat the snot out of them. That's the only way you can say it. Ripped at them, clawed at them, bit them. The devil needs to know who we are, and we need to not be afraid of him or demonic realm because they are already defeated. They really are by Jesus, Yeshua. You and I are no match for them, but Jesus, Yeshua, has already defeated them. Don't let the enemy buffalo you with nightmares and bad dreams and threats and sicknesses come upon you. Listen, when you start trying to do something for God, you're going to face warfare. When you start preparing to go on a mission trip, when you start to have an AP seminar, I'm not glorifying the enemy, but don't be naive. When you start to go out in your community, when you start trying to read the Bible more, when you start trying to fast and pray and draw closer to God, you're going to get resistance from the enemy. But he is a loser. He's already defeated. I love what Miles Monroe categorizes him. He is an unemployed cherub. He got the left foot of fellowship of glo- out of glory. He really has been stripped of his power. He, yes, he roars like a lion seeking whom he may devour. But you and I, Jesus, Yeshua said we have all authority. We have all authority. We have all authority and power over him. You need to know who you are. I want to close with the rest of that prophetic word that came that, that day on the 31st, that Saturday, two weeks ago, whatever it was. The rest of that prophetic word says, go get them. Meaning go after the enemy, but go get the people and bring them. You've got the army of God with you. There are more for us than there are against us. Go back and look in 2 Kings 6 when uh, Elisha the prophet and his servant, were, were, they were there serving the Lord and the king of uh, maybe Assyria, I can't remember the exact one, but they were coming up against Israel. And, and everywhere they were planning a battle attack and an ambush, the Holy Spirit revealed it to Elisha. And Elijah went and told the king of Israel and said, hey, be careful here. There's an ambushment here. And, and every time it was true, it was real, and Israel kept defending itself. And the, and the king, the enemy king said, which one of us is a traitor? Who's telling the, our secrets to the enemy? And the, and the rest of the troops, they said, hey, king, it's not us. There is a prophet in Israel that whatever you say in your bedroom as a whisper, the spirit of their God speaks to this prophet and he tells the king, that's the kind of God we serve. He's not changed. He's not changed. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 16, he will reveal to you things to come. That's not just future prophetic events. Yes, that's true. But the Holy Spirit is able to tell you what the strategies of the devil are. He just did it in these two words of prophecy in August. He revealed what the enemy is trying to do. Come against this congregation and people with sexual misconduct, racism, petty arguments, and the lack of pressing into the things of God. He said, don't give up. Keep pressing in. Pressing in brings breakthrough. Breakthrough brings outpouring. Outpouring ushers into glory. And whatever you want to call it, revival, awakening, and reformation, it is near. I believe it. If we will do what God says to do, keep pressing in. Don't give up. Believing for a breakthrough. 
If we'll keep our armor on, if we'll keep straightening our headgear, if we don't give up, if we keep gearing up for the offensive, not the defensive, for the offensive. Listen, my message today is about you. The, the wrestling that you and I need to do is go do what God told us to do. Go do what Jesus told us to do. That's the wrestling against the devil. Get your flesh under submission and go do what God told you to do. That's the wrestling match against the devil is to do what God told us to do. Go win people. Go witness to people. Go minister to people. Go tell them. Time's running out. It really is. We, we hear that so much, we're just like, well, yeah, but I got, and I'm not, listen, I'm not here to offend you today, but I am here to stir you up. I, yeah, I've got, I've got kids in college. Good. Help them. Live as if they're going to graduate and they're going to have a career, but live as though Jesus could come today or this week too. Because he can. I didn't finish that. You've got the army of the Lord with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not fear. No weapon formed against you will prosper. What you're protecting is your legacy. That's our kids, the future, but it's also what God's given to us now. He said your legacy of grace, gratitude, faithfulness, purity, integrity, intimacy, and fire. Your legacy will stand. Your legacy will stand firm. You will see the greatness of the Lord. He said you will see my greatness. We need to be excited about that. We're going to see God's greatness. We are, but we're going to see more. You're going to see the glory of the Lord. We are, but we're going to see more. You'll be amazed by his mighty acts and glorious deeds. I am, but we're going to see more. That's what I'm counting on. His goodness and his mercy is following after you and yours. Stay strong. And if that's ever a word for today, that's what we need. Stay strong. Roar with victory. You ready to roar? Because the lion of the tribe of Judah has already roared and defeated the enemy. And the devil is a liar. He is defeated. Jesus is the victor. Stand with me this morning. We've got to have warfare song. I don't know what you've got to come up with. Help them, Holy Ghost. Help them, Holy Ghost. Let me, while they're meditating and reaching, this word just came in. Lion of Judah, Almighty God, roaring and roaming through our children's lives, fighting battles, even those we have no knowledge of. No matter what it looks like, He is God Almighty. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to Him. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you just come from the balcony? Could we just come as a church? You just come as a believer. You as an individual, but yet you as a corporate member of this congregation that says, I will roar, I will stand, I make a new commitment, I reaffirm my commitment, I will not back down, I will increase, I'll fight, I'll war for my marriage. Some of you need to be battling for your marriage. The enemy is attacking your marriage right now. And you you have the say-so, not the counselor. You have the say-so whether that marriage is going to work or not. You've got it. You're the answer. It's not the counselor. It's you. It's your attitude. It's your submission to the Lord. It's your loving each other and submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Woo! You're the answer to your financial crisis. You begin to tithe and honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase. The Lord says, I will honor you and bless you. You honor the Lord with your children imparting into them 
God's word raising up. Some of you say, well, it's too late. They're already groaning God. You can still go talk to them. You can still love them. You can still minister to them. You can still admit, I made a mistake raising you. Some of you were too religious on them. You, were, you drove them, and you need to apologize for that and say, you know what? I was more about religion than I was relationship, but I've learned something. I just want you to have a relationship in Jesus. You need to go talk to them. But you've got the power of it. Father, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, Yeshua, touch us here today in this room, in this place. Touch those that are home, Lord, online, Father. Touch them. I come, I come against every lying spirit. I come against every devil. I come against every spirit of deception that's trying to destroy marriages, homes, families, children, sons, daughters, moms, dad, grandparents, and Jesus' name, Yeshua's name, we come against every deceiving, lying spirit that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. We say, no, no. I submit myself to you, Father God. I surrender myself to you. I ask for forgiveness and cleansing. And Father, touch us to get into alignment with you, Father. In the name of Jesus, to glorify you, God. Touch our finances, Lord, that we tithe, that we give, that we obey the Lord in our giving. We give our first fruits unto the Lord. We honor the Lord with the season of the feast. We honor the Lord every day of our life. The Lord, Lord Jesus, you are first. You are first in our family, in my life, in my life, that I will lead my family as a husband, as a dad, as a father, as a man, as a priest of my household. I'll not let the devil, I'll put myself, I'll put my prayers, I'll put myself as a roadblock. Devil, you're not going to have my family. You're not having my marriage. You're not stealing my finances. You're not stealing our health. You're not stealing anything. Jesus Christ Yeshua has conquered you, and he is in me, and greater is the one that's in me than he that's in this world. Come on, you need to make some professions with your own mouth, with your own mouth from your own heart.